We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the Bear Report Podcast with Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears for the Bear Report website. The podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Now, here's Zach and Aaron. Welcome in, Bears fans, to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. The Chicago Bears have now lost two in a row. They sit at five and three, and the frustrations are mounting, especially on the offensive side of the football. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Pearson. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Aaron Lemming, and we're going to break all of that down for you on this show, including some more recent Bears news that happened here at the NFL trade deadline. Um, but first, Aaron, how you doing, man? Doing all right, man. I, you know, about as... As good as you can do on election election Tuesday, right? I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to be, uh, you know, obviously we're not going to get political or anything. Um, I'm not a very political person anyway, but uh, it's you know, I mean, you're you're pretty close to you're you live in Chicago, right? Like you're in just right outside. Yeah, yeah, just right so outside you, of it. Yeah, and see, I'm right in the mix between Fort Worth and Dallas and I work in downtown Dallas. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting next few days, regardless of how things go. And man, I'm just, obviously football is a good distraction, but it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting week. I mean, it'd be nicer if the bears were, were playing better right now, but I don't know if anything can really distract us from what's going to go on over the next few days with the fallout of the election, and everything else. Yep. Yep. Let's just hope everyone stays safe. And, and that's the goal, you know, right? You know, that that's, that's really all I'm concerned about. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Nothing crazy go on. I mean, that's really where my concerns at right now. Yeah. And you're right, man. Very important election, no matter what side you're on, this is going to be one we're going to look back in the history books on and be like, wow, I, I was part of that election. So, but yeah, like you said, man, you know, the, the football and the bears are a distraction. 
However, the Bears are a distraction in, in kind of not the way we want them to be. Like, I, I wish the Bears were better so they were a better distraction. But, man, a, after that Saints game, again, you know, I, I wrote about this after the Rams game, that the, the, the Monday night showdown left us with more questions than answers. And now, for the second straight week, I feel the same way. Like, Sunday's game left us with us – left us with a lot more questions, a lot more frustrations. And I guess some things were answered, but they weren't really answered in a positive way because I, I know you feel the same way, I'm guessing. This offense stinks, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, I, I don't even know where to go from here at this point because it's been – and that's the thing is like some people are saying, well, you know, they, can, they have time to get it figured out. It's been a heaping pile of dog poop for quite a while now. I mean, we're talking going on – I mean, really, if you want to get technical, going back to the second half of 2018 when things started falling off. And 2019 as a whole, and then so far in 2020, it seems like things are even worse. It doesn't matter what quarterback they put uh, back there. It doesn't matter what um, offensive coaches they have. It, it, none of it seems to matter. And that's – man, it's – and it's one of those things, I mean, even going back to the game on Sunday where you had momentum and, you know, you had the you had this situation where you hit Darnell Mooney deep for a 50-yard touchdown – or sorry, for a 50-yard pass, and then, you know, two plays later you go to Allen Robinson, uh, you know, in, in the end zone, another deep pass. And it's like you see that and you're like, okay, cool. You know, David Montgomery almost broke 100 yards. That would have been the first time that the, the Saints had given up a 100-yard rusher in over 40 games. Obviously, that didn't happen either. There was flashes, but then there were so many mistakes. And the thing that we continue to see time and time again is if they get behind the chains at all, they're screwed. I mean, we, we saw even with the Javon, Javon Wims thing where, you know, they had what, what, what would have been a second five turned into a second 20. Obviously, terrible play. I don't know if we'll touch on that. I don't know if we really need to. But at the same time, you know, it's still a second 20. A lot of teams can get out of that hole. And what do they do? throw an interception you know it's just one of those situations where they can't dig themselves out of holes everything has to be perfect and the other thing that's really confusing me and it's really bothering me is why is it that we're this far into the season Nick Foles is supposed to have this great understanding of the offense and yet he's still having issues getting play calls on time he's still having issues getting the ball off on time because apparently he's not paying attention to the play clock and they're still having to burn timeouts and take delay games I just those are the things that I just don't understand. And again, I mean, I'm sure we can, we can save this for the off season because I'm sure we'll talk plenty about it, but I think we've quickly, quickly, quickly reached the point where Matt Nagy can't be the play caller moving in next year. If they have any shot at all in improving this offense, because I don't think the offense is going to remotely improve this year. I think it just is what it is, uh, you know, but if you're looking for offensive improvement next year outside of fixing the offensive line, adding weapons, and, you know, obviously figuring out the quarterback situation, the first thing that needs to happen is play calling and somebody else needs to be calling plays. And if he doesn't trust any of his guys and none of his guys want to do it, then he made the wrong hires and he needs to make the right hires next year, assuming that he's still around, which I think he will be. But man, why, why is it that we're just continually on repeat, man, it seems like every single year, every single game, it's it's the same exact thing. The offense is terrible. The offense is terrible. The offense, you know, it's like you get this little glimpse of hope, and then all of a sudden the offense fails again. And it's like, you know, people want to blame the defense, and that's fine. The defense didn't have a great game by any means. But the reality of it is, is the offense is so bad, it's putting so much pressure on the defense, much like last year, to where you can only expect – 
so much from this defense at this point and you know the just how demoralized they get from just stupid stuff on a consistent basis again and all circles back to the offense and in my mind it circles back a lot to the play calling and obviously the quarterback situation yeah man I mean they're they're just a mess like it's year three of this offensive system you know the Bears did the right thing by hiring an offensive-minded head coach ahead of the 2018 season. They, they, they stuck with the trend of the NFL. I mean, you look at other teams like Dallas hired Mike McCarthy, not an offensive-minded team. You're in a new age of NFL football. And I'm not saying that defense isn't important. It is. It's, it's very important in this, in this day of age. But when your defense, you know, going into week eight is only allowing 19 points per game. And that's including playing a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's including playing a team like the, the Los Angeles Rams. The Lions are starting to put up points. It's like you should be able to win most of those games. And realistically looking at this, if not for two miracle fourth quarter comebacks and you know a, a game where they almost probably should have lost to the Giants as well, I mean, this team could very easily, you know, be two and six or three and five rather than five and three. Um, it's just their offense is not doing enough to score points and win them games. And it's very, very frustrating, like you said, because it feels like the same story every single year. You're in year three of Matt Nagy's offense. You can't score. And, and I'm going to be honest here, and I'm not in any way like advocating for Mitchell Trubisky. I just feel like the offense was a lot more fun when he was in because like you knew it was either going to be a very bad play more often than not, it was a very bad play or he was going to make some stupid play. He probably shouldn't make with his feet that, that, that turns out to be a positive play. It's just watching this offense is boring to me. I, I don't know if, if you feel the same way and I don't know what's going on with Nick Foles, but it's just, it's like, it's not fun watching this offense. It's very, very boring and dry. Well, and and I can't remember who else said that. I, I want to say it was either Adam Johns or Adam Hogue said, at least with Trubisky, there was some excitement. And, I mean, to a certain extent, I absolutely agree. And, I mean, let's just be honest here. I mean, let's just call it what it is. The offense is really no different under Nick Foles so far. And what's concerning me even more when you're talking about the quarterback situation and looking at Nick Foles is he's starting to show a lot of the same tendencies of what Trubisky did. And, okay, you know, you can excuse him or whatever you want from Trubisky because, you know, he's still young, blah, blah, blah. With Foles, there's no excuse. The dude won a Super Bowl. The dude has started for multiple teams. He's been around in the league more than long enough. And – the consistent happy feet, the weird release points at times when he doesn't need to, the throwing from the back foot. I, I just – and, you know, some of the sacks that he's been taking, that's the thing. At least for the first game and a half that he took over Trubisky, he was getting the ball out and he was avoiding sacks. And all of a sudden, the last few games, we've seen that lack of athleticism really come to fruition and really become an issue. And he's not getting the ball out even when he has a chance to get the ball out and he's taking unnecessary sacks. And that's the thing is – with Trubisky, you know, he took some bad sacks, but at the same time, you know, at least his athleticism was able to bail him out of other situations. And, and to a certain extent, not always, but to a certain extent, you were, you were able to kind of excuse some of those sacks uh, because of his athleticism, what he was able to do with his feet and other plays with Foles. I mean, there was that play, what was that? A, what was that? A, was he a second down and 10 or a third down and 10 where he had, 
an open field. Trubisky picks up that first down oh, without yeah. an issue. I tweeted that. And yet he goes and he tries to set his feet and he tries to get his body back straight and just gets just destroyed. And it's like that's the kind of stuff right there where you have to sit here and look at it and say, okay, objectively speaking, how much is Nick Foles really helping this team right now? And I don't know that I have an answer for that. What I will say is I think regardless of what that answer is, I think the Bears moved on from Trubisky, and that's it. I, I, I think barring injury, I, I think – we're seeing Foles for the rest of the year, understandable. But, yes, it is objectively getting to the point where you can seriously question whether or not Foles is really doing anything more than Trubisky can right now. And I don't know if anybody has an answer, but it's really worth questioning at this point because let's just be honest, man. Foles has not been good lately. He's thrown an interception every single game. He should have had two interceptions, uh, you know, in this last game. And I honestly think the DB just simply dropped it just for the simple fact that he knew on that fourth down play that – you know, dropping the interception actually gives them better field position. Yeah, field but position. again, I mean, it's just, you look at the, you look at all the changes around, you look at everything. The only thing that hasn't changed is the play calling. And again, I'm not saying that Nick Foles is good because he's not, and I'm not saying Trubisky's good because he's not. The Bears have two really bad quarterbacks. But again, you go back and you look at all the options that they had this offseason, and Nick Foles was the guy that they wanted to go with. And now we're seeing it all play out, and we're seeing there are multiple issues on this offense. And one other thing that's really concerning me, and we saw it on the – well, I, I think you were actually at the game, right? Were you at yep. the game? Yes. I was yeah, okay. So, yeah, so you didn't get to – exactly. So you didn't get to see – you didn't get to see the telecast. Well, you may have saw it on the sidelines, but during the middle of one of the offensive meetings on the sideline, Allen Robinson just walked off. He just walked oh, yeah, off and started talking to himself. I didn't see that. Yeah, so – and that's – and again, I'm not blaming Allen Robinson. I don't blame him one bit. He's been playing with terrible quarterbacks oh, his entire man. career. Yeah. But that goes to show you the frustration on the sidelines, and especially a team guy like Allen Robinson, when he's having these kind of feelings and these kind of reactions, there are bigger issues than just what we're seeing out in the field right now. And that's just there's, – there's so many concerning things. Nick Foles is obviously frustrated, made those comments on Monday Night Football. They said they got it buried. I can tell you right now, they can say they got it buried all they want. If the same issues continue to arise, these issues are going to – they're going to stay issues. I mean, it's just all there is to I just – I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I mean, we could sit here and dissect this offense for three hours, and really what it comes down to is it's a heaping pile of crap. I mean, there's no other way around it. It's just a terrible offense, and they're getting similar production to what the Jets are getting. And the Jets are terrible. The Jets are probably going to go 0-16. There's an excuse for the Jets to be that bad. The Bears are contending for at least a wild card spot. They're a half a game out of the division race right now. And their offense is this bad, and they've had this good of a defense over the last few years. I just don't understand it, and I don't see how it's going to change. And that's the frustrating thing about this. It's, you know, I'll say this. It's, it's not fun. It is not fun watching this offense. That's the bottom line. That's my biggest takeaway. It's not fun at all. And actually, this is a great way to segue into our first ad read because you know what is fun, Aaron? Betting and winning. And, and when you bet and win on my bookie, it, it's even more fun because there's so much going on right now. Even the MLB playoffs are over. The NBA is already crowned a champion. We still have the NFL. We still have college football. There's no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy that likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple in on a parlay for a much bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, just like that Monday night football or Sunday night football game we had the other night. But more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real money maker. 
don't forget the underdogs either. There's a couple underdogs that win every single week in the NFL, a lot of value. And with the NFL, you never know what's going to happen because the underdogs truly could rule on Sundays. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action. Start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. With the holidays coming up, we'd all love some extra cash in our wallets. Sign up at my booking. When you do so, use our promo code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match for match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. That's right. Using the promo code OVERTIME, you can get a deposit match up to a thousand bucks. Stacked UFC cards, college football all major sports, NFL, sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Aaron, as I was saying, man, boring. It's not fun to watch, and it's become a problem. And, you know, I want to touch on a point you said a little bit earlier in the show. You brought up the drive. Well, I think it was four plays, 80 yards, like two minutes and 30 seconds. It was the deep ball to Darnell Mooney. It was the touchdown pass to, to Allen Robinson. Two good plays, although – Watching that tape again, uh, Nick Foles has to start hitting Darnell Mooney in stride because that ball was underthrown to him and the ball to Robinson was overthrown. So it's not like even when they're making good plays, it's not like they're still like a fully functional offense. The thing I want to point out here, and I want to see if you notice this as well and how frustrating you were. Get the touchdown. You go up. Your defense comes out. I want to say it was a three and out. If it wasn't a three and out, it was a quick – you know, two series drive there. The very next offensive play for the Bears, what do they do? A quick screen to Cordell Patterson that loses four yards. They're behind the chains. They run the ball, or they throw another incomplete pass, and they run the ball. They have to punt on a three and out. You can't do that in this day's NFL. And that's where I think Matt Nagy runs into problems. I think, you know, he had a good game plan early on, because some of the stuff you were saying is, is true. Nick Foles is, does not have good pocket awareness. He's taken sacks. Early on in that game, the first couple, after that first drive, they were getting the ball out quick, and they were using draws and quick throws, and they are moving the football. And then it's just like he goes away from it and tries to do this, the, the screenplay that – when's the last time a screenplay has worked for the Chicago Bears? It's, just, it's not there. you got to stop forcing it. And – for me watching it, it's, it's frustrating seeing that happen. And then the other thing I want to touch on is the details, man. We heard Matt Nagy talk past two or three weeks about it. They have to get the details right. They aren't getting the details right, and it's costing them. Very first series, they have a penalty. kind of pushes them back. Then you look at the Bears in that second half and the disaster of the second half. You talked about the Javon Wims incident, which from there, everything – you know, seemingly went downhill because, you know, Nick Foles would throw an interception uh, on the next play. Here are their drives in the second half in overtime. Punt on the first drive with a delay of game penalty, zero net yards. Then the, the, the Wims drive, which was a second drive, had the penalty and then the Foles interception, minus 10 uh, net yards. The third drive, a punt, three and out, three yards. Fourth drive, turnover on downs. A fourth and two turned into a fourth and seven because Jimmy Graham committed a false start. They got a touchdown field goal in their final two. And then the final drive of overtime, their only drive of overtime, a punt. First down on a remarkable, remarkable catch by Allen Robinson on a third and what was like third and 15, third and 20. Then they go drop, drop, sack, and get eight net yards. 
This stuff cannot be happening. Oh, and I didn't even mention, I, I think it was the second half, the package of Ryan Nall in the game, and he comes in and they don't shift right, and Montgomery has to come into the backfield, Nall's confused looking at the sidelines, he has to come into the backfield, and they weren't even close to getting the playoff. It's the details, man, and the details are not getting fixed. Well, the details haven't been getting fixed for a while. And again, it goes back to the design of this offense and the play calling. Why are you continually doing this? Remember going back to 2018, I don't, I, I, I feel like most people remember this, but just for a little refresher, if you don't, for the first three weeks of the, the season offensively, the bears were terrible. I don't know if you remember after that week three game, uh, Matt Nagy comes out and he said, Hey, we got to get this figured out. We're going to peel back the details. We're going to make this more simple. We're an offense 101. We're going to take a step back from that, and we're going to make things more simple. Then all of a sudden, they play a terrible Tampa Bay defense, and things kind of get going. You know, Trubisky has a huge game, and then obviously, you know, it, it, things kind of tailed off towards the end, right? But then last year, the same exact thing. All of a sudden, Trubisky's struggling with details. Anthony Miller's struggling with details. So-and-so's struggling with details. Then all of a sudden this year, it's the same thing. And you're not seeing the excuse as much in terms of what the coaches are saying. Matt Nagy said it, you know, a few times about the details, not really singling anybody out. But all you have to do is watch this offense to understand how confused they are. How is it? Let me ask you this. How is it that Nick Foles has run this offense at two different stops? He's run it with Kansas City and he's run it with the Eagles. And all of a sudden he gets to the Bears, the worst of the three offenses, and he can't run the damn offense. Why is that? I got no answer, man. It's maybe he's just not as good as, as we thought. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, we have to turn to Matt Nagy now. Maybe it's more Matt Nagy than we thought. And, you know, I I've seen this brought up last year in 2018, Matt Nagy had Mitchell Trubisky to mask. Oh, here, here you go. It's, it's Mitch's fault. I can't do what I want because I have a quarterback that isn't very good and he's hamstringing the offense and I'm, I'm getting wide receivers open. Dude, we're seeing the same stuff with Nick Foles, too. And it's like, maybe we have to start looking more towards Matt Nagy. Well, and that's kind of my point, right? I mean, you you look at all these things. It's like the Eagles offense, obviously, they're having some issues this year. they got a ton of injuries. But the Eagles offense has run well. Kansas City's offense has run well. It's all the same offense. I mean, obviously, slightly different details, slightly different touches from each head coach. It's the same offense. And all of a sudden, you look at the Bears, and the Bears have been terrible offensively the entire time when you actually put the numbers together, the entire time that Matt Nagy's been in Chicago. He has 16 games where he scored, his offense has scored under 20 points. 16 games. That is, in this day and age, in this NFL, in this offensive-driven league, you have 16 games over a two-and-a-half-year period where you have failed to score 20 points and every single week it's an excuse. Well, they played a good defense. Well, they did, you know, it's like, okay, but here's the reality. The reality is this offense is bad. Everybody within the offense lacks detail. Why is that? It's it, you could switch the personnel. You can switch the coaching it, last year, the offensive line in the run game, not Matt Nagy's fault. Couldn't have been Matt Nagy's fault. So it had to be Harry. He stands fault. It had to be Mark Helfrich's fault. So, okay, we're going to bring in Juan Castillo, who wasn't even in the league the year prior, but we're going to pump this guy up. We're going to talk about how great of a coach he is and all this other stuff. And then, you know, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to bring in all these familiar faces from guys that know the offense, right? Coaching wise, you know, we're not going to hardly touch the offensive line. We're going to bring in Jermaine Effetti, but we're going to make all these changes to the coaching staff. Okay. All of a sudden, we look at it, the Bears running game has gotten worse. The Bears offense as a whole 
has gotten worse. The Bears' offensive line, even pre-injury, has gotten worse. Again, it, it's, you know, it's all these excuses. It's all these changes. It's all, you know, personnel changes. You just look at the amount of tight ends that they've had, the amount of receivers that they've had, the amount, you know, obviously the, the multiple different quarterbacks they've had. It's like, you know, they, Ryan Pace comes in and reworks the offensive line. They add some guys. They do this. They do this. Here's the reality. At some point in time, you have to look back on it and say, okay, everything has changed except the one guy that has designed the offense, the one guy that calls the plays. That is the only thing within this offense that hasn't changed. And that's not for me to say that Nick Foles would be doing great anywhere else or that Trubisky is going to be a great quarterback when he goes somewhere else next year. Because, frankly, I think at this point, neither quarterback is good. I think Foles had his run. That's it. With Trubisky, I hope like hell he succeeds elsewhere. I don't think it's going to happen. But the reality of it is – is everything around this offense, everything around this offense has changed except one thing, and that's Matt Nagy. And that's that's kind of the thing. We can talk about it lacking details. He can talk about it lacking details. He can get up there after his after his, you know the, the the press conference right after the game, and he can be as emotional as he wants, and he can talk about how they need to do this differently and how it comes back on the coaching staff and they lack details and all the other crap excuses that we've heard for going on a year and a half now. But the reality of it is, until he's ready to give up play calling, he can say, well, you know, I'm willing to give up play calling, but we haven't got to that point yet. When are you going to get to that point, dude? You've run one of the worst offenses in the NFL since you've been with the Bears. And this is not a slam with him as a head coach. Obviously, I have some concerns there. That's for a different time. But when you look at what they have done offensively, the one thing that hasn't changed is Matt Nagy. But yet you've evaluated the offense. You've evaluated all the changes that you made to the coaching staff. You've evaluated all the changes that you made at quarterback to the offensive line to the different things that you've done. And your evaluation is the offense still sucks, but me as a play caller, my offense isn't the issue. That To me, and I get it, man, the NFL is full of egos, especially with coaches. I understand that. But how – self uh, unaware of yourself do you have to be in a situation like this to look at everything in front of you all the issues that you have in an offensive driven league look at all of that in front of you and still say we're not at the point of changing offensive you know offensive play callers we're not at the point of changing anything and it's like he has those flashes but again he loses his mind in these situations we look back you can look back in this game where you had that one drive where everything really worked well right and then all of a sudden you start having those little issues right and okay let's go back to the touchdown scored right before they kicked the field goal to get in the overtime you know that the second to the last offensive drive before they got in the overtime look at that look at that drive right they move the ball down the field. They get the ball down the field. They get in the red zone. What happens? The play calling completely changes. They're throwing the ball to Ryan Nall. They're doing weird things. They're taking Jimmy Graham off the field. This is just times in the red zone as a whole. You look at all these different things. They ran the ball four freaking times. Why are you doing that? Why are you not using your best guys? You drafted a tight end in the second round, Cole Komet, who shouldn't have been drafted there. I'm sorry to say it. I hope Cole Komet works out. That was purely a knee pick. You signed Jimmy Graham to $9 million guaranteed when his, his entire prime of his career has been over for years now. The Green Bay Packers, who had no tight ends worthy on their roster, and they still cut Jimmy Graham. You've got Allen Robinson. You've got Darnell Mooney. You've got Anthony Miller. You've got a drove of tight ends, and you're running the ball. 
and you're not it's just and but that's the thing is if you go back and you look at this offense as a whole and the play calling and the situational awareness even with the the time management and different things Matt Nagy can say I'm going to be me and we need to be you know whatever it doesn't matter the reality of it is is that he is not capable of being an NFL play caller at this point he's not a good NFL play caller he's not capable of doing it and until that gets fixed I don't care who's playing quarterback. It doesn't matter at this point. There's so many other issues that he's not scheming around, including the bad offensive line that he has, a banged-up offensive line. You look at all these different things, and they get in the red zone. They're finally about to score points. And he's sitting there, you know, it just – it doesn't – none of what he does makes any sense. He has no feel for the game. He has no feel for the time of the game and situational – uh, aspects of the game he just he doesn't have any of that and that's not because he's a bad head coach it's because he's a terrible offensive coordinator offensive play caller whatever you want to call him but again all of this circles back around to Matt Nagy this is all on Matt Nagy at this point you've got other issues I understand that Ryan Pace hasn't drafted well here's the thing you got all your guys you got all your coaching you're still having these issues you are the issue. It's time to look at yourself and figure it out. Maybe that happens at the buy. Maybe this entire rant was for nothing and they make the change at the buy and that's been the plan the entire time. But at this point, the only logical person to make the change with right now is to pull Matt Nagy away from the play calling, have him focus more as a head coach, which I think he can still be very good at, but get him the hell away from the office at this point. Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's, I think he's a good head coach. I think he's a very poor play caller and I, nothing's going to change. You hit a spot on nothing's going to change until he gives up play calling duties. And I don't know. I don't see it happening. And unless you, you're right. And it happens at the bye. I just think he's not going to admit another mistake. He's already admitted one mistake with, with uh, Mitch Trubisky, you know, and the way it's looking, he might've made another mistake with Nick Foles. And I just don't think he's going to admit any more mistakes. And, and that's just not good news for bears fans. Cause look at it this way. There were some positives in that game on offense. As bad as the offensive line was, the Bears' run game looked a little better. It wasn't great. It looked a little better. David Montgomery looked really good out there, had 84 yards after contact, was breaking tackles. It just it, it looked better. Anthony Miller turned in a very solid game outside of that one drop he had in, in overtime. Um, Allen Robinson was good. Darnell Mooney was good. You got nothing from the tight ends. Your quarterback struggled. Your offensive line, you know, I'm not making excuses for them. They're bad. But with the guys they had out there, it's like, you know, they probably played as best as they could. You you can't expect Rashad Coward and, and, and Alex Bars and Jason Spriggs and all these guys and Sam Mustafer to go out there and be all-stars and, and pro bowlers. It's, it's not going to happen. And that kind of brings me to the next point before we get into our recap, our, our preview with our special guest. The Bears offensive line right now is in shambles. And, you know, they made a couple moves today. They put Bobby Massey on IR with his knee injury. It means he's out at least three weeks. They, um, Jason Spriggs tested positive for COVID-19, so he's on the reserve COVID list. They had to move Jermaine Effetti to the reserve COVID list because he was high alert playing next to Jason Spriggs. And now Sam Mustafer also suffered an injury, according to Brad Biggs. So now they're looking at um, – you know, possibly starting uh, with, you know, their offensive line without, you know, any of their key starters. I mean, so they, uh, from the practice squad, they called up Latavius Simmons. They signed center Aaron Neary to their practice squad. And if Cody Whitehair can't play, and if uh, um, Jermaine Effetti can't play, 
Bears offensive line is going to be brutal come Sunday. And again, it goes obviously this isn't on Nagy, but it goes back to Ryan Pace. It's like you lose James Daniels and you make no moves. You had Quentin Spain out there. You've had multiple different options that you could have gone to. And now you're starting to see the injuries and different stuff. And obviously at a certain point you can't control that, but it's like, if you look at their depth and what they're about to have to do, depending on what goes on, I mean, they may end up starting a guy that they just signed to the practice squad today. And they may end up starting two seventh round picks or at least one seventh round pick from this year. It's, I mean, the entire thing's a mess. And I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, talk, speaking of the offensive line, Rashad Coward, no business being on an NFL roster right now. And he sure, sure doesn't have any business being on the bears roster. I mean, he, I, out of all the makeshift things that they had on the offensive line on Sunday, he was still the absolute worst. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I just, I don't, I get it. Maybe Alex Bars isn't the guy and that's fine. And maybe once Sam Mustafer is healthy, they're going to keep him at center. Cause I thought he actually had a pretty solid game, you know, move, move Cody Whitehair to one of the guard positions, whatever you need to do, that's fine. But at the same time, man, uh, once this offensive line kind of gets back, uh, you know, to what they're going to be for the rest of the year, Rashad Coward cannot, cannot start anymore I mean you just can't do it and right now you're looking at a situation where he may end up having to start at right tackle depending on what goes on which means you're going to have basically I mean really you you might only end up having one starter out of that week one starter and that would be Charles Leno Jr. I mean it's obviously to some extent you can't plan for this with the amount of injuries and different things that they got hit with in such a short amount of time but at the same time man the fact that you're going to be fielding one uh, NFL caliber starting offensive lineman and you know Charles Leno's kind of debatable at this point um i mean that that's a realistic possibility right now and that's just even from you know even from an injury standpoint that's just not acceptable yeah and you know like you said the bears didn't make a move at the deadline today uh they get some more bad injury news right after the deadline and it's kind of like you know i wasn't expecting them to really make a big move uh, at the deadline, I think there's a couple key components to, you know, with the salary cap concerns next year, um, the COVID protocols, and I'm not defending Ryan Pace at all because I think they should have made a move. I can see why they didn't. And now they're going to be entering week nine with a potentially disastrous um, situation. And I went back and looked at it. And if, if the offensive line is Leno Jr., and um and Simmons and they have to go with a backup center as well you know outside of Charles Leno I'm trying to get the oh Alex Bars Sam Mustafer um Arlington Hambright and Rashad Cower if they start that is 13 combined starts outside of Charles Leno with four guys and all 13 or 12 of those 13 belong to Rashad Coward and if you take out Sam Mustafer it goes down to 12 so you know, there's a possibility of Fetty plays, possibility Whitehair comes back and plays, which will be, you know, ideal for the Bears. Man, it could get very ugly um, coming up Sunday. And, and like you and I talked about, though, the good news is the Titans haven't been able to, to really get um, any pressure on quarterbacks, which it, it could be a good sign for the Bears. But still, you don't want to have to go into that game where – you're sitting there and you have a very, very poor offensive line that they can just tee off on you because it could get ugly there before your bye week. Um, Aaron, let's actually get into our interview. We had NFL veteran, former defensive back, Denard Walker on. He played multiple years in the NFL, the Titans, the Broncos, 
Uh, he was with Minnesota, Oakland. He joined us to give us some insight on the Tennessee Titans. We'll get into our interview, and then we'll come back to wrap things up on the podcast. Every day can bring changes, challenges, and opportunities that can also change your personal or business financial goals and priorities. As a true partner, Sandy Spring Bank can make it all a bit easier. Someone who really listens, understands, and then creates solutions in hard times and good times. We'll always strive to be your advocate today and every day. That's real banking for real life and real business. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash real member FDIC. Welcome back, Bears fans, and now we have a special interview with NFL veteran Denard Walker. He played in the NFL as a defensive back for the Titans, the Broncos, the Vikings, and Raiders. He's also the host of the Believe in Titans podcast. Denard is here to give us some insight on the Bears' upcoming opponent, Tennessee, in Week 9. Denard, man, thank you for joining us. Man, thank you guys for having me, man. I deeply appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And, uh, you know, we're going to get right into it here. Uh, the Bears um, are, are a team that's on a two-game losing streak. Um, the, the Titans are on a losing streak of their own. However, the Titans lost to, to the Steelers and then were upset um, last week. Kind of where are the Titans at right now um, heading into this matchup? Well, you know what? It's, it's really about rediscovering your identity you know, I think last week they, they just played flat and they were outplayed by Cincinnati. Um, I had a bad feeling uh, going into this game. And I told a lot of people, I said, listen, don't look at this team record. You know, they got a lot of people look at the one, five and one. And that doesn't mean anything, you know, because mathematically right now, everybody is still in the hunt for, you know, this Super Bowl title, the Super Bowl run. But if you look at this team, they basically – if you look at their record, there was one game where they were outplayed, and that's against Baltimore, where they got blown out 27 to 3. Typically, that Cincinnati team, they lose in the fourth quarter. And, and I mean, going down the stretch, the last two or three minutes of the game. And I said before, if they put four quarters together, which they did against Tennessee, then that will give them a chance to win a game. And boy, did they play four quarters, and they deserve to win. They deserve to win. Uh, that game. So I'm glad, you know, I hate to say this, but, uh, you know, kudos to uh, Cincinnati. They came out firing and, and they, and they played well. Well, and kind of looking, you know, something you said is, you know, sometimes a team isn't the record, right? And that's something that Bears fans are very familiar with this year. Um, they got off to a five and one start. A lot of, a lot of people, national media were kind of like, yeah, this, this team isn't that good. And I think a lot of fans are kind of now coming back down to earth and realizing maybe this team isn't that good, but you flip the coin here and you got a team in the Titans where a lot of people are saying similar, not nearly as sharp as, as what they're saying with the bears, but you got a lot of people who are saying very similar about the Titans because of how they won. Now I've watched them quite a bit. They got a very strong run game. They got some good passing, you know, uh, receiving options. And then obviously the defense has struggled a little bit. But what's your take on when people are saying, you know, the Titans aren't as good as the records say, and they're, you know, at least with the Bears, it's kind of been the term that's been thrown around a lot has been fraudulent. What do you say to takes like that when a team is five and two and still looks pretty strong despite maybe winning a game, you know, a few games by a few points? Well, I'll say this, they're number one in the AFC South. <laughs> you know, I don't need to say anything else, but let, let me just say this. And as a former player, um, I've been through this before many of times. And when you lose, 
you know, that's the first thing you start to hear is a lot of negative press. And that's unfortunate. And what pro athletes do, especially football players, I don't know about any other sport, is guys block that out. And what I mean, good teams, they, they don't listen to the naysayers. You know, they only listen to what's going on in that locker room. And, you know, they started off the season 5-0, and and everybody was praising them. And then all of a sudden they lost that L to Pittsburgh. But what people didn't see in that Pittsburgh game was Pittsburgh basically scored on their first four possessions. And you can't let a team like Pittsburgh come into your stadium and basically score at will. What people didn't see is the second half when they basically shut out the Steelers, basically held them to three points. And we haven't seen too many teams that can hold Big Ben in that unit to just three points and a half. So that was a big plus. And right when you thought, okay, they figured out the problem, uh, they come out and lay an egg against Cincinnati, and that happens. And you're always going to have some games where you're going to go through a tough stretch. And unfortunately, we look at the record of too many teams and say, well, they should have won that game. That's not true. I say this all the time. There's no disparity in the National Football League. I'll, I'll, I'll put a heavy emphasis on this word, disparity. In these 32 teams, everybody can beat everybody. That's just the way it works in this league. And, you know, I don't believe that this team is bad. I still think that they have the talent to be playing in Raymond James Stadium when it's all said and done. It's same with this, uh, same with this uh, Bears team. I just don't believe that just because you lose a few games that makes you a bad team. Looking at this Titans team, and specifically on the offense, everyone knows about Derrick Henry. Uh, he's a star, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, but when you talk about that offense, you, you look at Ryan Tannehill, a guy that came to Tennessee and kind of you know, completely changed his career. I mean, he really struggled against, um, in his time with Miami. But when he got to Tennessee, he kind of figured it out. What have the Titans done well to kind of um, you know, maybe ease some of the stress or, or you know, not put everything on Tannehill? Has it been the run game? Um, has it been other things that Mike Vrabel's done? Well, you know what? It's, it's a culmination of a lot of things, but I think it starts with the offensive coordinator. Let me tell you something. When a quarterback is playing well, typically the offensive coordinator is calling a really good game. And one individual that he, he just don't really get a lot of um, publicity or is Arthur Smith. I, I just, he's a guy that just, he doesn't, give, he doesn't get that much credit. He is a great offensive coordinator, a great mind. And I've just, I'm just been baffled at the way he's called games this year. He's never abandoned um, what he believed, what he believes in as a coach. And that's usually, it's about distribution of both running and the passing game. But, you know, everybody knows that the bread and butter on this team is the running game. But listen, I don't want to get off track, but let me just say this. The way he's called games this year, it just suits Ryan's style. You know, Ryan has been a great acquisition to this team when he came in last year and he played lights out. I'm glad they ran him out of Miami because he's been a huge plus and a huge addition to this ball club. Uh, he is, you know, regardless of the way he played last week, he's still in consideration uh, as an MVP candidate because he's been consistent. And what you love about Ryan is, is people forget his athleticism. I mean, he was a receiver at Texas A&M. And we saw what he did against Buffalo. He hurt them with his legs. And Ron is smart. You know, he's just a very smart quarterback. And you know what? The thing that I love most about him is he distributes the ball uh, to a multitude of different receivers. I mean, he 
AJ, of course, is the guy, but he, sometimes he finds Corey, he finds Adam, uh, John New. I mean, right now those guys are banged up. But one of the things I love about Ron is, is he, he makes really smart decisions, and that's what makes him a great quarterback. And that's, you know, and that's why I love to watch his game. Well, kind of flipping things over to the other side of the ball for a minute. And as we've been recording this podcast and right before we've been recording this podcast, you know, news kind of broke on the Bears side that, uh, you know, not only is Bobby Massey going to be out for a month, the right tackle, all of a sudden you got a situation where Jason Spriggs, their backup offensive tackle, has tested positive for COVID. And because of that, Jermaine Effetti uh, being in close contact has also gone on the COVID list for the time being. He could play. And then all of a sudden there was another thing that came out that basically their backup center who played last week, Sam Mustafer, is uh, probably going to miss some time as well with an injury. And then as we were recording the podcast, uh, Vic Beasley was actually cut from the Titans. Um, so I, and that's kind of a big thing for the Bears right now, right, is they have not been able to protect the quarterback. And especially as of late, Nick Foles is not a mobile guy. So my question is, going into this game, the Titans have seven sacks on the season in seven games. And the Bears have done a very poor job of protecting the quarterback over the last few games. Uh, just explain to me, especially with this Vic Beasley uh, cut not too long ago, just explain to me what exactly has been going on with the pass rush and how can they be successful against the Bears offensive line that's probably going to be fielding one, maybe two starters uh, on Sunday? Well, when you look at it, you should say – you know, as a player, we should win up front. That's the first thing that you used to say. When you look at Jadavion Clowney, Jefferson Simmons, Daquan Jones, Harold Landry, you should say going into this game with the beat-up offensive line with Chicago, that's what you guys have right now, unfortunately, that the Titans should dominate. But unfortunately, we saw that against Cincinnati. They had basically, what, three or four starters out last week, and basically that line – at least in my opinion, they won that matchup against Tennessee's uh, interior defense alignment. So, you know, I don't know what's going on uh, really over there with you guys because it's just uh, – it seems like everywhere there's a mess right now uh, with this COVID. And then on top of a lot of guys starting to get injured and cut. But I will say this is that if there's any game that this unit needs to come alive and show their DNA – I think it's this game against the Bears because I feel like right now this front four, uh, in particular, I think Jadavion needs to have a really big game. Um, he hasn't created that havoc. He hasn't been what I, I like to say a lot of people were anticipating as a guy, at least right now, you're probably thinking he should have about six or seven sacks himself. And that just hasn't been the case. So I'm looking at these guys basically going in this game, getting on track, because I'm pretty sure if you're the defensive line coach from Tennessee, you're probably calling out your front four and saying, listen, you just got beat up last week by a bunch of guys that were literally backups. And that's unacceptable considering the fact that you're our starters. We expect you to win for 16 weeks. But sometimes when you got a, a line banged up as opposed to, say, like I'm a defensive back, and you guys say you lost Allen Robertson, Ginn's not going to play. And then, you know, you guys have to go and, you know, Anthony Miller, you know, and then all of a sudden you got to go to your practice squad, guys. You would think that the edge should be, you know, say if I was playing for Tennessee, it should be us if we got our starters. You know, unfortunately, that's not always the case because sometimes guys don't bring their A game. So if this unit don't bring their A game against Chicago, we might end up seeing what we witnessed uh, in Cincinnati. And looking back at that Cincinnati game, you know, the Titans faced the number one overall pick. It was Joe Burrow. He's a young quarterback. Uh, the Bengals are rebuilding. 
the Bears are kind of in a different situation here. They're not rebuilding. They brought in Nick Foles to kind of come in and test Mitchell or yeah, test Mitchell Trubisky. And Foles and Burrow are two different quarterbacks. How are the Titans going to, you know, the game plan to attack Nick Foles? Are they going to, you know, try to get pressure on him, uh, maybe shut down the run? What, what do you imagine the game plan will be? Yeah, you know what? You know, Nick is a – he's a savvy veteran, you know. Nick has been – he's been around the block in this league, man, and that's what I love about him. I love his game. Not to mention he's a Texas boy like myself. He, of course, he went to the University of Arizona. But Nick is a winner, and Nick knows – how to win in this league. Unfortunately, he hasn't done a good job when he's a starting quarterback. So when Nick is a backup, typically he's a beast or a monster and usually going to take you to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, watching these two, for some reason, I just think that if the Bears are really going to go where they want to go in the long run, and people can fault me for saying this, I think it's going to be on Mitchell Trubisky. I just don't think you take a guy in 2017 as a second overall pick. And, you know, he went to the Pro Bowl in 2018. And, yeah, he's going through some struggles right now. But I, I truly believe that you got to insert him uh, in that lineup. You got to get him on the field because with Mitchell, he's so dangerous with his legs. You know, he's, he's, he's a lot like Ryan. Uh, of course, he's just in his fourth year, so he's still going through what I call the trials and tribulations of this league as a quarterback. It takes guys sometimes to get it, but I think sometimes when you have when you when you have a chance to kind of sit back on the bench a little bit and kind of observe, that's really where your learning uh, takes place. I mean, think about it. You see some of your best coaches, like a Frank Reich, you know, that were backup quarterbacks, Jason Garrett, you know. They're in it. They end up turning into really great play callers. I think Mitchell can take this time by watching Nick and, and listening to Coach Nagy and say, you know what? Now I understand because I truly believe that's where your learning uh, comes from by simply observing. Um, we've seen where times where quarterbacks have been benched and then come back and, and just play lights out, you know? So, you know, if I'm the Titans, I'm preparing for Nick, so you don't know what you're going to get from Nick. If Nick gets hot, he can play with anybody in the league, especially when you got the weapons like he has. You guys, you guys got some great weapons, and I love Allen Robinson. Of course, the savvy vet and Ted Ginn, and you guys got a great running back in David Montgomery. He's a, he's a workload. I've been watching him since he was at Iowa State. And you got Jimmy Graham, so you know at any time when you can – if you can protect him, that's the key. We saw New Orleans get to Nick a lot of times, and – it's like a trickle-down effect. It just gets bad when your quarterback is getting sacked on, on some key downs. So I think if you can protect Nick and give him some time in that pocket, he can actually shred your defense uh, apart. But again, I just think in order for this team to really take that next step, step forward, I think for some strange reason, it's going to be on the back of Mitchell Trubisky. And the last question I got for you here, um, and it's just kind of another acquisition question because obviously the trade deadline was a day. There wasn't a lot that went on. Uh, the Titans had released Jonathan Joseph, who kind of struggled a little bit, but they picked up one of my favorite defensive backs, Desmond King. And I'm just yeah. kind of curious, you know, defensive back to defensive back, uh, what's your take on the acquisition as a whole and just him as a player? I think this is an excellent addition um, for the secondary, and especially considering when you look at their defense. I mean, one of their one of their weaker points so far in getting off to a slow start has been that pass defense. So, what, what's your what's your take on the move, and how do you think he's going to fit in? 
I love it. Oh man, this was a huge pickup. And I'm saying Chargers, I'm glad they made that, made that trade because Desmond, I've been watching him since he was at Iowa. And I've always said that I love his game. He's a very physical corner. Of course, he's a Pro Bowl player. He made all pro with the Chargers. He's, he's going to be a great acquisition to the secondary. What we're missing right now is a Dory Jackson. And that's our number one. That's our stud. That's our version of Deion Sanders. You know, that's our lockdown corner. And when he gets healthy, I truly believe with Malcolm, when Adore gets and when Adore gets back and he gets healthy, and you add Desmond King in the mix along with the rookies who's been playing well, uh, Christian Fulton and Chris Jackson, they've been playing lights out for young guys. You know, it's hard for a rookie to step in there, but I think this now might be the strongest unit with the addition of Desmond King because he is a shutdown corner. He's really good in the slot. He's big. He's strong. And one of the things he loves to do is play close to the line. So that's what you want. You want your, you want your corners to be physical. And that's the, that's the style that Tennessee wants to play. They want to play some man-to-man. They want to, you know, they're going to play a little zone. But really, I think their DNA is playing you, you know, one-on-one. Hey, mono-mono, let's see who's going to win. So now, all of a sudden, you know, what has been our weakest unit? Because, you know, it, they've been sporadic. You know, some games they play well, and then some games it's kind of like, uh. But now, with Desmond King, and then when Adore gets back and Malcolm, the way he's the savvy vet, and then you add those young guys, now this might be the strongest unit on your defense. And you know what? This might end up helping this team get off third down, which has been a problem. So, again, I just I think this was a plus. I think the Titans hit it right on the mark. I think they got this one right. And my last question before I let you go, um, we usually like to ask our guests, you know, what will be the deciding factor in this game? We call it an X factor. What do you see as the biggest factor in this game for either team that's ultimately going to decide this one? Well, you know what? You guys got a great defense. I mean, of course, you got Khalil Mack. I I don't care if you got – you can have 10 other guys, and it's like who cares. If you got Khalil Mack, he's like the 21st century version of Lawrence Taylor. He's disruptive. You always have to account for him. So I and I love this defense. Unfortunately, last week the secondary kind of gave up uh, some what I call explosive plays to Drew Brees. Uh, he, you know, again he kind of torched them in the middle. They was getting in the middle of that zone, which was what was killing them. But I think this is going to be a defensive battle this game because I think both defenses really need to play well. So what I'm anticipating is probably a low-scoring game. And I'm going to go down to the running game this week. I think if David Montgomery, if he gets going, uh, it may be a long day for the Titans defense because I truly believe the Bears' DNA really starts with that running game. And if he gets going uh, and if we can't stop him, I think the game would be over quickly. Vice versa, I I think with Tennessee, you're going to get a heavy dosage of the D train. That's Derrick Henry. Um, You know, listen, you know, everybody knows that he is, to me, the reigning NFL rushing champ. So, and I think he's, they're going to come out this week. They're going to run the ball. I think the Titans are going to get back to their DNA, and that's running the D train. And so whoever can stop whoever, you know, if the whoever opposing, you know, whichever defense can stop the opposing offense, I think that's what's going to give, uh, give that unit a chance or give that team a chance to win this game. Yeah, and I, I think that doesn't bode well for the Bears because they struggle to run the football. And, we, and yeah. we've seen teams run all over this Bears defense. Uh, they're obviously missing Eddie Goldman 
who opted out of the season. So yeah. Derrick Henry, man, he, he scares me. And I, I don't know what he's going to do Sunday, but I could see him having a big game. Um, Denard, thank you for joining us. Where can uh, everyone, you know, follow you on Twitter, listen to your podcast, any other work you want to promote? Uh, well, just our podcast, you know, the host, Davey Hudson, my man, he's really cool. He's a great guy. We, uh, we just have fun with the podcast. He's a Titan fanatic. And what we do is just, we talk football. We basically break down the game. Uh, we have some fun with it. It's just a fun podcast. And of course, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Denard underscore Walker. And, uh, you know, just hit me up and let me know what's going on. I like to always keep in touch with, with fans and, and just let them know what's going on from a player's perspective. Awesome. That is very cool. I, I wish more players or more former players would do that because anytime you get the chance to talk to a former player and kind of get their insight uh, on, you know, how about the game and things going on with the game, I think it, it is perfect. So thanks again, man. We'll have to have you on sometime soon. I'd love to. And thanks. Hey, thanks. You, uh, thank you guys for having me, man. I've, I've had a great time man. just really just chopping it up with you guys. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. That was our interview with Denard Walker of the Believe in Titans podcast. Some good work he does over there and some good insight from a former player. And Aaron, you know, my takeaway from the interview and kind of my, you know, highlight of this game coming up. Um, it's probably going to be a very likely going to be a defensive battle. I, I think Chicago's defense can keep him in the game. The key is obviously going to be stopping Derrick Henry. However, the Titans defense, you know, they're not a great one. They're, they're kind of middle of the road. They've struggled this year, but the bears offense is just so bad that, you know, it doesn't matter what defense is going up against them. It feels like the bears offense is just going to struggle. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things until they prove it. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to, kind of hard to believe that they're going to you know that they're going to be able to do anything so you know it's it's going to be an interesting situation because again I mean as we touched on in the in the preview with Denard I mean both teams are viewed as kind of you know fake right now I mean that's just really all there is to it I, I I do think the Titans have a pretty good team but again I mean they've barely been squeaking out wins against bad teams as well um I think really the X, you know, the, the X factor of this and the, the, the main importance kind of like he pointed out is going to be the run game really. I mean, it's just going to come down to, you know, obviously stopping Derrick Henry and can the bears get a run game? I don't know, man, it's going to, I, you know, I think a lot of people are sitting here projecting this as a blowout and I don't think they've watched much of the Titans. I think it's going to be another close game. The bears absolutely have a shot, but it's really hard to pick. It's really hard to pick the bears right now. I, I maybe I'm wrong, but it's just, it feels like they're kind of trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, it is hard to pick the Bears. And, you know, with this game, you have one more before you're by. You're playing Minnesota. You've lost two straight here. you got to find a way to get the win on the road. And, you know, for me, it just – I'm not confident. I was actually a little more confident going into Sunday's game against the Saints that maybe the Bears could turn around uh, and, and get a win and avoid the losing streak. However, you know, after watching that, man, how do you trust this offense at all? And, and – how do you trust this defense to stop Derrick Henry? And I think, and it's not even a knock against the defense because they've been great all season long. Their one weakness, though, is the middle of the field. 
and stopping the run. And while Derrick Henry is as versatile as quick as Elvin Kamara, he's still a very, very good running back that can also catch passes out of the backfield too, which has hurt the Bears over the years. So it'll be an interesting one. I just just have another bad feeling about this one. Um, You want to make our predictions and X factors? Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Uh, awesome. I'm going to go 23-17 um, Titans. Again, I think it's going to be a close game. Bears can absolutely win this one, but until they can stop a run game, I'm not really going to buy it. Especially, dude, Derrick Henry's on pace for over 1,700 yards this season with 18 touchdowns. I mean, Derrick Henry's having an MVP caliber type season in a league where running backs are – very devalued i mean it's just and they have a good offense as a whole i mean their defense is more the question again x factor i think at least for me this one's very obvious it's going to be the run game it's going to be the run game on both sides can you stop derrick henry and you know and can you get your own running game going uh the titans defense has been very very disappointing this year um and you know it's just one of those situations where they're going to make some changes they just cut big beasley um you know desmond king's brought in um but at the same time i mean this is a situation where the Bears are facing probably one of the worst defenses that they've faced in quite some time. But again, we've seen it with his offense. You know, it doesn't really seem to matter who they're going against. You just don't know what you're going to get out of them. So yeah, 23-17, I think, uh, you know, X factor is going to come down to the running game on both sides. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I got the, uh, the Titans winning 17-13. It's going to be a defensive battle and it's going to be, you know, what team can stop the run game and, Right now, the advantage is, you know, to Tennessee because they have Derrick Henry. I mean, no disrespect to Derrick or David Montgomery, but, you know, Derrick Henry is a very, very good running back. Um, and I just don't see how the Bears are going to stop him consistently. I think, you know, my X factor is, is going to be that offensive line for the Bears. And, you know, what's going to happen? Will um, – they have Cody Whitehair. Will they have Jermaine Effetti, or are they going to, you know, go with this kind of patchwork offensive line with a, a few backups and, and Charles Leno? If they go with that patchwork offensive line, I think it could be a very long day. It just might be, you know, what um, the Titans defense needs to kind of get themselves on track and, 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 and tee off on the Bears. But, yeah, if the offensive line does, you know, play well, I could see the Bears winning. And like I said, I mean – David Montgomery had a solid game uh, last week against the Saints. Let's see if he can build on that. But until the Bears, you know, prove me wrong and can prove that they can move the ball on offense consistently and fix the details, I just have a hard time picking them. I I hope I'm wrong, but I I, I can't uh, can't pick them this week. So, yeah, as unfortunate as that is, you know, hopefully the Bears can win and get back on track. Aaron, that should do it here. Um, as always, working everyone follow you on Twitter and read your work. Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. Awesome. You can also follow the Bear Report on Twitter at Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Read my work on thebearreport.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Hopefully, Aaron and I are both wrong. We'd love to eat crow and, and, and hope that the Bears do win and end this losing streak. Till then, we'll all see, see you soon and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.